Father, that you see us and that you hold us and you're holding us in these moments, surrounding us with your peace. God, you're so faithful to every generation. Speak to us this morning. Use me however you want to use me, Father. We want to be changed from glory to glory. We don't want to be the same. Lead us into all truth. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, praise and worship team. Thank you, Jesus. Well, here we are again. <laughs> I miss you guys. I, I, miss, I miss you guys, but I'm thankful that we have ways of staying in, in communication with each other. I'm going to talk this morning um, about something that actually God dropped on my heart. Uh, last Sunday, I was straightening my hair, getting ready to come and speak. And God began to speak to me last week about this week's message. And it's interesting because starting back probably in January, God began to speak to me. And he would take me to these verses, these uh, chapters in the Bible, and I would read them, and I've read them before, and, and they were good, and, but I was, I, I was having trouble kind of grasping, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you, what are you wanting me to, to know in these scriptures? And so I kept going back to it, and I it ironically looked back at my um, prayer journal from now till January, and it was repeated where he was telling me to go back to these verses. And I, and I would write in my journal, God, I'm not quite sure what you're wanting. I will come back and study this again. And, and he would bring it back. And so it was Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, where all of a sudden it came alive and I understood exactly what he was saying um, to me and what he was preparing my heart for, our hearts for. So I'm going to talk about that uh, this morning. The first thing that I want to talk about, though, was at the beginning of the year, I brought a word to you um, about this year, about this coming year. And one of the scripture verses that God gave that we discussed was as um, the pastoral team and we discussed as leaders and uh, we brought to the church was this Isaiah 48, verse three, eternal one. It says, God says, in times long past, I determined and announced the things that would come. Then suddenly I acted on them and they indeed happened. Then suddenly I acted on them. He says, I discussed the things, I said the things, I spoke forth what would happen and then suddenly I made them happen. And that we believe that this coming year would be a year of suddenlies. That this would be a year where we would suddenly see the things that God had set up he would suddenly happen. And so I, I want to lay that there as I believe that, that I, we were talking to the team about this last week, that it's not business as usual. It's not business as usual. Things have changed. The world has changed. And we don't know exactly what it's all going to look like when we come out of this. I know that we'll be stronger and we'll be better and, and because of it, but, but we don't know what it looks like, but things have changed. And so it's not business as usual, but I, 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 I'm bringing this word to get your attention this morning. I don't know, I was going to say tonight. I don't even know what day it is. So I'm thinking it's Sunday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we have stepped into a new era. That there has been a shift and a new era we have stepped into. 
And so I want to start by the scripture verse that God led me to back in January and kept bringing me to is Leviticus 20. And it's in the Message Bible. And so I'm going to start in verse 7 and it says, Set yourselves apart for a holy life. Live a holy life because I am God, your God. Do what I tell you. Live the way I tell you. I am the God who makes you holy. So he's saying, do what I tell you. Live the way I tell you because I'm the God that makes you holy. And I felt like he was saying that there are some things that we need to put away. That, that this era that we're moving into, that there are things that need, that we can't bring with us, that we can't take with us into this new place that we're going. He's saying, I need to set aside. There are things that he's been talking to you about. Things that he's put his finger on. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about myself as well. That there are things that he's put, putting his finger on and he's saying, these things, we need to change them. And it's not because he, he just wants to do it and because he's mean. And No, it's because he's a loving father who wants you to enter into this place. But he's saying, you can't take these things with you. In James 4 verse 8, it says, come close to the one true God and he will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you have dirtied them in sin. Cleanse your heart because your mind is split down the middle. Your love for God on one side and your selfish pursuits on the other. He says you're, you're split in half. You have a love for God and that's amazing, but there's other things that you're holding on to that you don't want to let go of. And you're split in two, he says. The Bible says that uh, um, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What's double-minded? You're holding on to one thing and you're holding on to another thing and you're unstable. And God is wanting to take you from that place to a place of stability. But he's talking about in this thing that you have dirtied your hands in sin. There are things that, that um, because of who you are, because I have my hand on your life, I don't want you dabbling in those things. It's causing you to be double-minded. It's causing you to have a love for me and a love for your selfish desires. And I'm wanting you to get rid of those things in this new era that I'm taking you to. The next one is in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. And he says, Beloved ones, with promise like these and because of our deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. He's saying there's things in your life that are, that are contaminating you. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's funny because we'll label things as that's sin, that's wrong, we shouldn't be doing those things. But there are things where God says specifically to you, I don't want you to do those things or to look at those things or to be around those things. I don't want you because for you, it contaminates you. For you, it's causing contamination. And what happens when you become contaminated is you see things differently. You hear things differently. There's a filter. There's conditional purity and then there's positional purity. Positional purity is, is that Jesus died on the cross for you and he shed his blood and you are clean. That's positional. Conditional purity is that you still have that you're still dabbling in things that's causing you to become contaminated. Positional, you still get to stand before God. He has made you clean. You get to go boldly into the presence of God, but there are things in your life that will still contaminate you. 
that cause contamination. And he's saying, there are things that I'm calling you to that I, I want you to, I want you to leave those things. In Colossians 1, um, I'll start verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you, asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, with insight into his purposes, and in understanding of spiritual things, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And he says, so you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is what the manner that's worthy of the Lord, this is how you walk, displaying admirable character, character moral courage, and personal integrity. And then it says to fully please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clear insight and fervent love for his precepts. So he's saying that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then it goes on to list the three things, right? So it says displaying admirable character. That character speaks of who I am when I'm around people that I can act super Christian when I'm around Christians, right? We, we all can. But am I the same when I'm around other people? Am I the same? Am, am I, am I, is my character always the same? The way God would, would have me be. The other one is moral courage. That's what I'll take a stand for. Are there things that, that God requires in his word that he says, these are things that are unjust to me. I don't like these kinds of things. Do I, do I take a stand for them? And the other one is personal integrity. And that's who I am when no one's looking, but God sees. It says those are ways of walking in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. But look at this. It says this, those things that pleases him in all things. But it's not just pleasing him. It also bears fruit in your life in every good work. It also causes you to steadily grow in the knowledge of God, having deeper faith, clearer insight, and fervent love for his precepts. You see, everything that God does is just like multiple purposes. It's not just, just because I want you to do it, it's because when you obey the things that I've asked you to do, when I put forth something and I say, this is what I want you to do, it's not just because, it's because I know what you need to do to get to this place. I know what will make you better. I know what will produce fruit in your life. This is why I want you to put away those things. Back to Leviticus, it says in verse 22, he goes on to say, do what I tell you, all my decrees and laws, Live by them so that the land where I'm bringing you won't vomit you out. You simply must not live like the nations I'm driving out before you. They did all these things and I hated every minute. And this is, see this is the verse where I read and I thought, what the heck God, what are you trying to say to me? I don't, I know this verse, I get it. But this is what he began to speak to me on Sunday that change is coming. And I'm desiring to take you to a place. I'm desiring to take you to a land, so to speak, that I have, I have a place that I'm moving you into, a place that I'm moving you to. But you can't bring some of those behaviors, some of those things that you've tried to hold on to, 
Maybe some of you it's unforgiveness or bitterness. Some of you it's, it's, um, it's vices. What you use to deal with the hurts in your life, he's saying you, you can't bring those things with you. And I want you to hear the urgency in this word. It was urgent when he began to speak to me about it. He says, you can't bring it with you because the land that I'm taking you to, the place that I'm taking you to, if you bring those things, you won't be sustained there. I want, you to, I want you to hear the Father's heart in this. I know a lot of times when we hear this and we know because we can feel like the finger of God just pointing on it, you know. Sometimes, we're, sometimes we, we try to, well, the, I can't find anything in the Word of God that says that I, I can't do this or I can get by, you know, and we try to, to make it um, because we don't want to change. But you know when God's got his finger on something. You know when he's talking to you about something. And, and, and I really believe that many of you that are listening right now, you know exactly what he's talking about. And I don't want you to feel condemnation. I want you to know that it's the love of the Father. It's the love of God that's saying, I want you to come into this place that I have prepared for you. It's a wonderful place. But if you bring that, you won't be sustained here. And I've prepared this for you. Here, this is the love of the Father. So it's like he's saying that, that it's like old patterns that you're trying to bring old patterns. You can't bring old patterns into new places. It's like if you had an iPhone 4. I don't even remember what those look like, but an iPhone 4, and it's tiny and small, and all of a sudden, Apple comes out with a new operating system, and they want you to upgrade. You won't be able to do that with your iPhone 4. It's not going to work. You're not going to be able to put it, won't be able to be sustained. It won't even work. It's the same thing. You can't bring old patterns into this new place old behaviors into this new, old belief systems into this new place. It's not going to work. It's like the Bible also says, um, old wines, you can't put new wine in old wineskin. Why? It'll break. It'll burst. Can't do it. Same thing. Or you, you can't, you can't have wilderness thinking in the promised land. It's like Moses, right? You can't bring the wilderness into the promised land. It's not going to work. You have to set aside some things for where God is taking us. And guys, it's urgent. It's not business as usual. Let me talk about Moses just for a sec. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but Moses, in the Bible, he was... Um, he was an Egyptian who was, he was born, or excuse me, he was born Hebrew. And uh, there was a decree that went out by Pharaoh who wanted to kill all of the babies, all of the Hebrew babies. So his parents saved them. And, uh, excuse me, his parents um, saved him, stuck him in the water and sent him. And uh, Egyptian woman 
found him and adopted him. And so he was raised Egyptian. He was raised in the palace. He was royalty, raised royalty. And a, a series of events happened, um, but it ended up with him in front of a burning bush where God called him to be a deliverer of the Jewish people. Called him, he says, and, and Moses, you know, he said, I, who am I? I, I? I'm not good, I can't even speak, I can't talk. I, I, who, who, who am I to, to be that person? And God still said, I called you Moses to be a deliverer. And so he led the people out but years they walked around in the wilderness. Years they walked around, they walked around, they walked around and, and they grumbled and complained and Moses was constantly going before God like, what do I do with these people? But Moses comes before, again, there's a group of people, they're thirsty, they want something to drink, they think that it would have been better if they would have stayed in Egypt and been beaten and all those things, they're complaining. And Moses goes to God and he's like, what do, what do I do? They're complaining again. And God gives him a specific instruction. He says, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. I want you to speak to the rock and water will come forth. And so Moses goes to the rock and instead of speaking to the rock, he hits it and water comes forth. Just like he'd done before. But this time was different because God had given him a command to speak and he disobeyed. And so God says to him, Moses, because you did not believe me, you will not enter into the promise that I've had for you. And see, Moses thought that it was business as usual, that it would be okay if I just got away with this one more time. I'm just gonna not listen completely. But Moses didn't realize that the promised land was just beyond that rock. A suddenly had happened and Moses disobeyed and he didn't enter into the promised land I hope that you're catching the urgency that I'm saying that that God is speaking in this moment saying that you can't you, you cannot that a suddenly is coming switch a suddenly is coming and, and, and you can't take those things with you. There's a promise. I have a promise laid out for you. Look at this. You see, Moses didn't recognize that on the other side of the rock was the promise. Leviticus, back to Leviticus, verse 24 says, I told you, Remember that you will possess the land that I'm giving to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. You're saying, I've got wonderful things. This is your inheritance. He says, I'm God, your God, 
who has distinguished you from the nations. So live like it, live like it. Skip down a little ways. He says, live holy lives before me because I, God, am holy. I have distinguished you from the nations to be my very own. And I heard him say this, I have placed my hand on you. I have pointed you out. I have shown you favor. Now it's time for you to live like it. Kings and priests. It's your time to arise and shine, but you know what? You're not shining very brightly because there's filth on you polluted on you. you, you, you've contaminated yourself in different places. And he says, I want you to put away those things because it's time for you to arise and shine. I heard him say this too, the road that I've called you to walk on is narrow and you will always need to be unloading different baggage because the road gets narrow and narrower. He said, but I promise you it will be your joy because the plans that I have for you are good. They're good. And then he took me to the story of Hezekiah. Second Chronicles, I believe, chapter 29. And he said, Hezekiah, it says Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. Hezekiah has become king and his father before him was a wicked king. His father was brought in idols and, and worshiped other gods and, and he caused the temple of the Lord to become filthy with those things. And so verse two, he says, he did right in the, Hezekiah did right in the sight of the Lord in accordance with everything that David, his father, his forefather had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, which his father had closed, and he repaired them, and he replaced the gold overlay. He brought in the priests and the Levites, and he gathered them into the square of the east. Then he said to them, Levites, listen to me. Now consecrate, dedicate yourselves, and consecrate the house of the Lord, your God, your, of your fathers, and get the filth of idol worship out of the holy place. It says, it's time to clean house. We gotta clean the house. There's stuff in it that, that it's, it's just not good. We gotta get rid of it. We gotta clean it up, stuff that was brought in. And so he begins to give them a bunch of instructions. And then in verse 16, no, verse 11, he says, my sons, do not be negligent and careless now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence to attend to his service and to be his ministers and burn incense. Do you hear it? He says, it's not the time to be negligent and careless. It's not, it's not the time to listen to this word and say, I'll deal with it later. It's not the time there's urgency behind this. And then he says, the reason why it's not the time to be negligent and careless is for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence. That you've been chosen, you've been called, you've been set apart for this time. 
This is, this is amazing news. It may sound like a, oh, well, <laughs> this is a hard word. No, this is awesome. God's saying, hey, a greater place I'm taking you to. So it's time to clean house. It's like spring cleaning. He says, he's been called to, you've been called to stand in his presence, to attend to his service. He's got things that he wants you to do. And you're called to be his ministers and burn incense. Then in verse 16, it says, the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. And every unclean thing they found in the temple of the Lord, they brought out to the courtyard of the house of the Lord. So they, they went in and they began looking. What, what is it? What is it, God, that I need to get rid of? Where is it? And I think that this is, this is the place that God's calling us to. You see, you need to go to find the things, the stuff that he has his fingers on, the old behaviors, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the sin, the whatever, the, the things that are polluting you, the stuff that you've held on to that you've not wanted to let go of. And let me tell you this, when God points his finger on something and says, this is the area that I want you to deal with. This is what you can't bring with you. He doesn't just leave you alone and say, deal with it and come talk to me when you're done. Until you deal with it, there'll be no communication with us. That's not who he is. He says, listen, I want you to deal with this. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let, let me help you. I, there's a grace. All you need to say is yes. This one thing that we, we talk about on a regular basis is all God's looking for is your yes. And his power and his grace and his ability comes in that moment. The moment that you say yes, yes. That's all he's looking for. He doesn't just leave you alone. And a lot of times we think he does. And so then we struggle. We're trying to do it on our own, in our flesh, our weaknesses, trying to, trying to fix ourselves. You were never meant to fix yourself. It was always meant to be God who fixes you. All he needs is your yes. That's what he's looking for this morning. Just let me hear yes. As he's pointing things in our lives out that we can't bring with us. So look at this, last verse, he says, verse 35. So the service, they've, they've cleaned house, okay? They, it's clean, the temple has been cleaned out, they've brought it out into the open, verse 35. So the service of the house of the Lord was established again. Then Hezekiah and the people rejoiced because what God had prepared for the people, for the thing came about suddenly. They rejoiced because of what God had prepared for the people and it came about suddenly. But what did they have to do first? Clean house. Clean house. There were things they, they couldn't bring with them. God prepares this new thing. He prepares this place, this promise that he has for us. And he says, I've prepared it for you. Fix those things. Let's fix those things. Let's get them out of your life because it's coming about suddenly. That there's suddenly that's coming. He says, I've declared it. I've spoken forth. And it will come about suddenly. 
And so this is the urgency in the word this morning. That God is saying, you must, you must, you must say yes to the things I'm putting my finger on. And I know that there's not anybody that's not listening to us knowing exactly what he's talking about. It's individual. It's my life. It's your life. But if there's places in me, if I'm supposed to look like Jesus and there are places in my life that don't look like Jesus, it must be addressed. I'm close, I know. I'm kidding. I don't think I'm close. (laughs) But if there's places in me, if my life is supposed to have the fruits of the Spirit in it, operating, and there's places where it's not, then it needs to be addressed. Then it needs God's spirit and he needs to be able to work in it. He needs a yes. So they're talking about idols. And in 1 Corinthians, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, Verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? It's exactly what Hezekiah did, that this is the temple of God and there are idols in it. We must clean them out. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16, it says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What what agreement do I have? with those things in your life. I can't, I can't come into agreement with them. Idols looks like your selfishness, your pride, your ego, your religion, bitterness, fear, anything that God is telling you to deal with and you won't. Anything. Sometimes we look at things and we say, well, that person can do it and, and so I must be able to do it, but yet you know God's requiring you not to do it. That's an idol. Something you won't get rid of. It's not about being perfect. It's about being surrendered. He's not looking for your perfection. He's not looking for you to to be perfect, to act perfect. He's not looking for it. What he's looking for is when I put my finger on something, you say yes and you'll surrender. suddenly is coming suddenly is coming and and I I don't want to be that person like Moses who thinks it's business as usual and instead of obeying God I miss it oh don't want to be that person last verse first Peter 1 in the message it says so roll up your sleeves put your mind in gear 
be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Don't, or doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. Stop for just a second and just recognize that holiness, we, we've talked about this before, Holy, holiness is not boringness. Holiness is not you with a sad face wearing ashes on your head like they do. It's not a boring life. Here it says it's a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God is calling you into these things because it's his perfect plan for you. It's his peace, it's his joy, it's his love, it's all the good things. And yet sometimes for whatever reason, we just wanna hold on to the old ways, the old patterns, the old behaviors, the old hurts, the old wounds. He says, I'm calling you into this life. This that I have prepared for you. I want you to know that I feel the seriousness of the moment, but I also feel the excitement of a loving father who's excited for what he's got for you. It goes on to say in verse 17, you call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's a responsible father. And he won't let you get by with sloppy living. No, because he wants the best for you. Your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of the dead end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb, and this was no afterthought. He's a responsible, he's loving, but he's responsible. And he doesn't want you to stay in those places that won't get you to your destiny because the plans that he has for you is good. And he's addressing those things because they're holding you back. That you won't be able to take with you I believe that as suddenly is moments away. And we're about to see what God has prepared for this era. And it's so good. But hear the heart of a loving, responsible father and say, it's time to put away those things. But you don't need to do it alone. You don't need to do it alone. I just need your yes. I just need your yes. Because what I have planned for you is amazing. So Father, if there's anything in me, if there's anything in us that needs your spirit upon it, breathe on it, Father. We know that where you're taking us is exciting and it's a promise that's being fulfilled. It's something that you've planned for us that's wild and beautiful and amazing. And 
but recognizing that you've put your finger on things in our lives. Old habits, old behaviors, old belief systems, old wounds, old hurts. Things that you've talked to us about that you know hurts our heart, but we've refused to let go of it. So Father, you have my yes. And if you're sitting at home and you know that God's speaking to you right now about it, just, just whisper yes. God, yes, yes. Yes. Yes, God. I want to go to the places that you have planned for me. I want to go. I don't want to miss the suddenly. And for some, it's fear. It's fear. You know, Moses... God came to Moses at the beginning and he said, Moses, I've called you to be a deliverer of the people. And you'll speak to the people. And Moses said, I can't speak. I can't speak. I'm not good enough. And I heard it said like this, that, that Moses really, God still used him, but he only half obeyed. Because God saw in him something. He, God wasn't moved by the fact that Moses couldn't speak well. God knew who he was. God knew that in Moses' weakness, he could be strength. And so for, for some of you, it's the spirit of fear that's trying to grip you and say, you can't, you're not enough. I, I, can't, I can't go forward. I, the things that you're calling me to is scary. I, I thought that I'd be better by now. I thought that things would look different. I thought that it would be easier. And God says, you don't recognize that I formed you, created you for this moment. I called you for this time. And I'm not moved by your weakness because it's in your weakness that I, that I can be made strong. So for some of you, God's putting his finger on the spirit of fear that's gripping you and trying to hold you back from what God's called you to. And God's saying, all I need is your yes. All I need is your yes. And in your moment of saying yes, you're letting go of the fear that's tried to hold you back from your destiny. And this ends today. This ends today. called for such a time as this. We were all called for this moment. We were all called for this suddenly. And what a great time it is. Now, if you've come on here and you don't know Jesus, 
I want you to know that he knows you. And that he called you for this moment too. That he has so much love for you. That he's been with you and watched you and loved you through every moment. From the moment that you were born, he loved you. He created you. And it's not an accident that you're tuning in right now. Or maybe you've known God and you've walked away. It's not an accident that you're here. Because this is your moment too. This is your moment too. Called for this time. He has a plan for you that's bigger than your wildest imagination. The Bible says that he calls you out of darkness into light. That darkness is everything that's ugly. That's everything that's heavy. It's everything that, that, that is hard. It's, it, it's everything that, that, that's hopeless. Calling in, you into a life of hope. A future and a hope is what the Bible says. So I'd like to pray with you. If you don't know, and the band can come, if, if you don't know Jesus, or you'd like to rededicate your life, I'd love to pray with you. And what I'd ask is if you do say the prayer, if you put in the comments below, I just said the prayer, or you can go on our website if you want to be more private. We, go on our website. There's an email that you can send in an email and say under prayer request and say, I said the prayer. We'd love to reach out to you. So just say this after me and I want you to know that it's not the words that are as important as the heart behind it. So just say this after me, Jesus, I feel you calling me. I feel your hand upon me. I know this is my moment of turning. I know this is my suddenly. So Jesus, take my heart. Take my life. Make me new. I surrender my life to you. I want you in my life. I believe in you. I recognize you as my savior. Forgive me. Forgive me. Make me clean. And for those of you that are coming back, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm coming home. I'm surrendering once again. You have my yes. You have my yes.